And we are here. Thank you, everybody. Tuning in to Hope Radio. New Hope Radio and the Hope Club Podcast, where you can listen anytime at newhopecc.tv or anywhere podcasts are found. Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, you name it. All you got to do is plug in the Hope Club Podcast and we'll be there for you. I would say most of us, if not all of us, know the feeling of having lost something. Maybe it was a, a favorite possession. I remember years ago when I was a little kid, I lost a ring at the beach. I was just a little kid, eight, nine years old. My father made it, or he had it made. He was in World War II. He was in Africa. A guy made it out of uh, silver, and it had the head of a mercury dime on top of it. He gave it to me. I lost it. I felt bad then, and I still feel bad today. Maybe you lost a needed article. How about like a ticket? Did you ever lose a plane ticket? Bus ticket? Ticket to get into uh, an event? <laughs> that doesn't feel too good either. Then there's a terrible feeling of losing a person. None of these are good feelings. None of them at all. The feeling of losing something is not a good feeling. Can you imagine how God felt or how God feels when he sees people that are lost and they're just going about the wrong way and he loves these people very much? Oh, yes, he does. Well, he texts, he talks about that. In Luke chapter 15, God talks about that through Jesus and he told, matter of fact, in Luke 15, Jesus told three short stories parables about lost things. And why does Jesus talk about lost things? Because they're very important to God. That's why. And I'm going to speak about one of those today. Lost sheep. Why did Jesus talk about sheep? I mean, here he is. He's trying to bring salvation to the world, right? And what does he do? He talks about sheep. What's he talking about sheep for? This is why. Because the sheep economy back in early Palestine, it did two things. It provided for the needs of the people and it communicates the heart of God. So people could relate to a story about sheep. And Jesus is going to talk about good shepherding. Oh yeah. Luke 15 verse 3. Now I'm sure you might be familiar with the story, but let's, let's revisit it. And let's be Let's get some freshness from the story. Here's what he said. What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine out in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And then when he finds it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. (laughs) You notice he doesn't drag it home. He doesn't put a rope around its neck and drag it home through the dirt. No, he carries it. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, and he says to them, Oh, rejoice with me. 
I found my sheep which was lost. Now, in order to appreciate the shepherd's emotions, let's learn a few things about sheep. Did you know Abel was the first shepherd? He did what was right, and it cost him his life. Wow. That's something we need to remember. Sometimes doing the right thing will cost you something. So we can either blend in with the evil of the world, or we can stand strong, pay the price of doing the right thing. Secondly, the first sacrifice mentioned in the Bible had to do with the sheep, when God provided for Adam and Eve. Thirdly, the first sin committed outside the garden had to do with sheep and the shepherd, when Cain slew Abel. All sheep-related. Fourthly, the promise of salvation had to do with the sheep. Think about it. All the way through the Old Testament, sheep were sacrificed as a picture of the coming Christ. And the spiritual warfare had begun following the promise of God that he would send a deliverer, a lamb slain for the sins of the world. Now a few things about sheep. They provided wool for clothing, milk for drinking, meat for eating, horns for containers, and even instruments. Once the Israelites settled down in the Promised Land, it was difficult to put sheep out to pasture, because originally they were what? Nomads. Nomads are travelers, right? So as they moved through the wilderness, there was always fresh grass, fresh pastures for the sheep. But now they settled down in the land of promise. So they had to do something different. A shepherd then would be hired to pasture the sheep for the whole village. The shepherd would let the sheep feed on the grain that was left after the harvest. And then when that was gone, he would lead them out into pastures under the hot sun. Oh, and he had to be sure that there was also plenty of water available as well. Sheep only drank from still water. Did you know that? They didn't drink from rivers, rushing rivers. No, they didn't like that. That's why they didn't go white water rafting. They didn't like moving water. They liked still water. Sometimes a well would be sought out, and they would get the water from the well and get pour it into a trough. They would drink from that. So, when you think of Psalm 23, Psalm 23 is a documentary on shepherding. Remember what David said? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. You see, he had to go find those pastures to take care of the sheep. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness. For his name's sake, we're going to see that the reputation of the shepherd was vital to the shepherd. It was vital. He couldn't afford to lose a sheep that belonged to someone else. His job was on the line. His reputation was on the line. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. You know why? For you are with me. 
My shepherd is with me. So David understood, oh yeah, being a shepherd himself. To write that psalm came from the shepherd's heart that he possessed. And being a man with a heart after God, he was able to put the two together. And that's why we have Psalm 23. The shepherd also provided protection against predators, lions, bears, jackals. Oh, they liked sheep meat. They liked to eat, feed on the sheep. So you know what David said? Oh, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The weapons of the shepherd. He knows he's protected. That's why he stays near the shepherd. He's got those weapons. He'll beat off those animals. He's not afraid. Oh, no. He said, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you have anointed my head with oil, and my cup, it's overflowing. Now, question. If the shepherd had a hundred sheep and one wandered away, why wasn't he satisfied with the ninety-nine? Why? Because every sheep was valuable. That's why. Everyone. And like I said, his reputation as a shepherd was at stake. Remember the villages, the villagers hired shepherds to watch their fleet, their, their flock. And they'd bring them out and take care of them. Who would hire him if he couldn't keep the sheep safe? If he had a reputation of losing sheep, he'd be out of work. No one would want him. So he'd have to go after that one and do whatever it took, bring him back. Now, question. What does this have to do with you and me? I mean, we're talking about a story 2,000 years ago. We don't raise sheep. We just go to the store and we buy lamb chops. So what does this have to do with us? I'm going to tell you what it has to do with us. Everything Jesus teaches has to do with us. Everything. When Jesus teaches something, it has to do with you and with me. So that's why he said in verse 6, when the shepherd comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, and he says to them, Oh, rejoice with me. I have found my sheep, which was lost. And Jesus is saying, I am a good shepherd. I can be trusted. He wants people to see, as the shepherd was to the sheep, he is to his followers, to his people. He wants us to have the same comfort, the same trust, the same refreshment in the shepherd that is nearby. So, Jesus is using a natural illustration to teach a spiritual truth. That's a parable. A natural illustration that people can identify with and say, Oh yeah, I know what that's all about. And whether he talked about fishing, or farming, or shepherding, or baking bread, or sowing seed, people knew. They connected. Oh yeah, I know Jesus. I bake bread. I fish. I farm. I shepherd. So he wants to connect them and then tell them a divine truth about God. So that's why he says in verse 7 of Luke 15, I tell you that 
in the same way. Just like the shepherd and the friends rejoice when the lost sheep is brought home, I tell you, in the same way, there'll be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Jesus loves the lost. You know, there are lost people today. They think they're beyond being loved. You know what they need to understand? God loves them right where they are. God loves those that are lost just like he loves those that are found. When Jesus said, there'll be joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. The word sinner, here it's the word hamatolos, and it speaks of an individual that's a sinner. But the root word is hamatia. It means to miss the mark. What mark? Of perfection. It means to miss the bullseye. If you're shooting at a bullseye, at a target, and you don't hit the bullseye perfectly, and you miss it, you're outside the bullseye, that's hamatia. You miss the mark. That's a sinner. That's all of us. We are all hamatia, short of perfection. Every person begins in life lost. You got to remember that. We're all lost. We're alienated from the life of God. So the sheep that Jesus is talking about is you and me and everyone else. It's all people. That's what he's talking about. And he wants them to understand that Jesus Christ is the good shepherd. And not only does he look for lost sheep, he lays down his life for the sheep. That's exactly what he did, isn't it? Oh, yeah. That's just what he did. Now, let's review Psalm 23 and see what Christ provides as our good shepherd. He provides rest. He makes you lie down in green pastures. That's the natural application. But for us, you know what it is? Oh, it's what we need. The rest of the soul. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. You're burdened down. You can't take it anymore. I will give you rest. You're stressed out. Come to me. I will give you rest. He provides refreshment. He leads you beside quiet waters so you can drink. And you know what he does? He refreshes our soul. You know, if you want your soul to be refreshed, and who doesn't? I know I do. You come to Jesus. You just come. And if you don't, he'll come looking for you. Because he wants you to drink living waters. Oh, he wants you to come alive. Stop drinking that stale stuff. You're drinking that swamp water all the time. And it's not helping you. You're sticking your head in the, in the, the swamp of the world. And you come up and it stinketh. And the Lord's got fresh water for you. That'll really satisfy. See, only God can satisfy a spiritual thirst. And he provides security. Oh yeah. His rod and his staff, 
They offer comfort. See, when the sheep see the shepherd and he's got that shepherd stick, they know he's got weapons and they're protected. That's why they like to stay close. And we've got to realize our protection is in Christ. Our soul is protected. It's sealed by the Holy Spirit. It's mocked out as belonging to God. And it will get to heaven. Guaranteed, it will get to heaven. There is protection. There is security. God offers us eternal security. You know that? You know how many believers go through life and they don't know that their salvation is secure? That's a sad thing. Because they're missing out on the joy of salvation. Thinking that it depends on them. If faith got you saved and it was the work of God, then keeping you saved is also a work of God. God doesn't say, okay, I will save you, but it's up to you to maintain it. That'll never happen. Because we can't. We can't maintain it. One proud look, boom, gone. (laughs) Lost. Because that's that's an abomination. A proud look. Did you know that? That's a sin. So God says, I will do for you and I will keep you. Any fellowships when you're, you know what, when you're surrounded by enemies and surrounded by opposition. What did David say? You provide a table for me in the midst of my enemies. He can still be at rest. You can be surrounded by lions and jackals and bears and yet have sweet fellowship with God. Do you know that God is bigger than anything that you can face that opposes you? How big is your God anyway? Can he fit in your back pocket or does he command the universe? God is bigger than you think. He provides rescue. When you escape, he comes looking. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for people. Looking for people whose heart is strong toward him. And if you've fallen away, he'll come looking. If you truly belong to him, he'll come looking. But God loves all the lost. Whosoever believes can be saved. That's what he tells us. And then when he brings you back, there's rejoicing. It's a celebration. He throws a party. He doesn't condemn you. You know, when the prodigal son came home, the father didn't condemn the son. He didn't say, I told you so. Go to the barn. That The son would have been happy to go to the barn and be a, be a hired hand. The father said, no, you're my son. Let's celebrate because he was lost and now he's found. He was dead. Now he's alive. It's my son. We're going to have a party. God does not condemn. God does not condemn his people. I want you to think today about how vast the love of God is. It's, 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 it's deeper than the ocean. It's higher than the heaven. It's wider than the horizon. You cannot exhaust the love of God. And it is there for you. It's like God's love is an ocean and there's one little fish in the ocean. And God says, drink up, little fishy. Drink up. He'll never, he'll never run out of ocean and will never run out of the love of God. He loves you 
and his reputation is preserved when he takes care of you. See, these are the thoughts God wants you to have in understanding your relationship with him. The people in the first century could really relate because they understood shepherding. We're a little separate. We're, we're detached from shepherd. Unless you are a shepherd, then you know. I had an uncle, my uncle Leon, he had sheep. He had a farm in Attleboro. He had some sheep. And he would say, you know, David, and whenever he said that, I knew here comes a lesson. <laughs> he said, you see those sheep? He said, yep. I call one and they all follow. He said, and they, he did, and they did. And you know what else he taught me? He said, you see the trees out there? Yeah. See, there's no bark on the trees. Yeah. How come? Cause sheep eat anything. They eat the bad stuff too. So you got to make sure you feed them the good stuff. Because if you don't feed them the good stuff, they're going to eat the bad stuff. And all these trees at sheep height, they eat all the bark off the tree. That's not good. And, and we got to realize that even as Christians, we can eat the bad stuff. We can eat the wrong stuff. We have to be very careful of the stuff that we eat. So, you know, he would go out into the sheep and they would, they would come to him. And then I, I'd go out into the sheep. You know what they did? They ran away. They run from, where are you going, sheep? They run away. So why are they running away from me? They don't know you. They don't know your voice. They hear my voice, they know my voice, and they come. They hear yours and they run. Because you're a stranger. And they will not follow. Didn't Jesus say that? I think he did. He said, my sheep know my voice. And they follow me. And it's true because they did it with my Uncle Leon. They followed his voice. But not me. They ran away. They ran the other way. So God wants us to see. He knows exactly what he's doing. And Jesus is saying, I'm the good shepherd. Oh, yeah. A hireling, he runs when the wolf comes because he's a hired hand. But when you really love the sheep, you lay down your life for them. And yes, I said, you know, there were hirelings. They didn't care. They did run. And there were some that wanted to protect their reputation. So in all, there are three parables in Luke 15, all about things that are lost. And every time one was found, they threw a party. The parable of the lost coin. The lady couldn't get married because the coin was in her headband. It wasn't currency. It was part of her wedding outfit. And she swept the whole house until she found it. And when she found it, they rejoiced. The lost son, when he came home, killed the fatted calf, put a ring on his finger, shoes on his feet, and a robe on his shoulders, because now he's back. And the lost sheep, let's celebrate. Let's have a party. God celebrates the return of the lost. He wants people to know, man, don't think you've crossed the line and you can't come back. You can come back. God wants you to come back. He's waiting for you to come back. That's how deep his love is. It's a guppy love. It's unconditional, sacrificial love. Human love is very conditional. We have a marred love of God. We're going to see that coming up this Sunday. 
Our love is marred. It fails. It falls short. But God's love, perfect. His love is perfect. And what he's trying to do, he's trying to restore us back to living in that perfect love. Because in that love, we'll have security. Oh, yes, we will. We'll have refreshment. We'll have satisfaction. We'll have comfort. Oh, we'll need, we'll have all the things that we need and all the things that God wants us to have when we're in that perfect love. So I want you to really think deeply about God's love for you and Jesus, the good, the ultimate shepherd, the best shepherd there ever was. Next time we're together, we're going to talk about stumbling blocks. Oh, how dangerous. You know what stumbling blocks are? Things that can trip us up. Oh, they come in all shapes and sizes. Some, they they look good. Some, they sound good. We've got to be so careful. Because if you stumble over something, you know what happens when you stumble, right? It breaks your momentum. It's embarrassing. It can be humiliating. It can be dangerous. It can, it can cause injury. Oh, stumbling? We got to be on our guard. So I hope you can join me next time as we talk about the stumbling blocks that can be placed in our lives. And there's nothing good that comes from them. There's always an evil and disastrous outcome. Oh yeah, there always is. So I hope you can join me next time. Don't forget about the Hope Club. We want you to have a time with God as you're driving around, driving to work, driving home, maybe taking a lunch break, maybe walking on a treadmill. Best thing to do on a treadmill or a bicycle is listen to the Hope Club podcast. Are you kidding me? Get the word of God. Redeem the time. Because why? The days are evil. Get the word of God every day. I guarantee you, the difference that it will make in your life. Don't forget to join the Hope Club. $3 a week will keep us on the radio. Go to newhoperadio.live. Click the little menu button. Click join the Hope Club. It'll explain the whole thing to you. How you get a devotional in your email box every day. And you can just... Cough up three bucks a week. If you could do that to help us with our radio bill, we appreciate that. So we're kind of helping each other as well. Okay? Thank you for coming along. Tell a friend about New Hope Radio and about the Hope Club podcast. And I'll see you tomorrow as we talk about stumbling blocks.